0: We're so glad to have you with us. My name is Joe Andrews. I'm not the senior pastor here. He will be back next week, and he's going to start a brand new sermon series. His sermon series is called Sorted, uh, The Return of Jesus, The End of It All. And so we hope that you are here, uh, every last one of you. I think if you are a youth group, that we, we bribe our youth to bring people to church with them. And I think that you guys have done that today. All of you probably should get a candy bar, but we don't have that many candy bars. Uh, so... <laughs> (laughs) We're just going to be excited that you're all here today uh, with us. What I hope is that you really just hear from the Lord today. This is the fourth sermon in a series that I've called The Absurdity of Christ, and if you haven't been here for any of that series, you're probably thinking, why do we have a sermon series called The Absurdity of Christ? So before you get up and you leave, okay, let me explain it to you. I was reading through the Gospels, and I just kept realizing that from a human perspective, everything that Jesus was saying and everything that he was doing just seemed so absurd when I'm thinking about it from my own human perspective. And it was. Those things that Jesus was saying, the things that he was doing, no one had ever done before. And so for anyone to look on that, they would have said, wow, he's saying these absurd things. And so I thought at some point, like I had marked so many pages in my Bible with this, I was like, I just need to teach on this sometime. And so you uh, get to be uh, my little gift Guinea pigs for this series. I hope that you enjoy it. What I really hope that you get out of today's sermon, but really the whole series, is that it may seem absurd to follow Jesus. But it never is. It's never absurd to follow Jesus because of who he is. And all of those absurd things that he said, all of the absurd things that he did, humanly speaking, point to the fact that he is not just an ordinary man. He is God. And he is God in the flesh. He is Jesus Christ. And that is why we've gathered to worship. We've gathered to worship him today. So it didn't start, though, with Jesus. It wasn't him that started doing these absurd things. Everything Really started with his father, just look at the absurdity of creation. All right? God, we know, created everything. I mean, that thought, in and of itself, humanly speaking, is absolutely absurd. God created everything, but it wasn't even only that. He created everything out of nothing. Like, if I create something, I need some ingredients. He didn't need any ingredients, He created every single thing out of nothing. Now, if that's not absurd enough, it goes one step further. He created everything out of nothing just by speaking it into existence. That is the God that we are here worshiping today. And all of that sounds so absolutely absurd, but it's God, so it's not so absurd at all. And then he decides to do something else that might seem absurd to us. He created mankind, and then he wanted to have a relationship with mankind. This God who created this entire universe, do you know they say two trillion galaxies now in our known universe, each with a 100 billion stars On average, that's a big God. And he created you and me. And he wants to have a relationship with you and me. That sounds absurd, but it's not because it's God. And he has a plan for every little thing that he does. But it's kind of hard sometimes for you and I to have a relationship with God. And in fact, this has kind of been the the history of having a relationship with God. It's kind of hard for mankind to do that. Do you know why? It's because of another absurd thing about God. It's his invisibility. You can't see God. You have placed your faith in a God who you can't see. And that is a hard thing for us to kind of comprehend. Uh, Even the biblical writers, they they acknowledge this. Moses is talking to God and he's like, God, I just want to see you. I want to see your face. Show me your glory. And God says, okay, I'm going to pass by and you can see my back, but you cannot see my face. For if you see my face, you will surely die. Yikes. Yikes. So Moses saw God kind of, but maybe just a glimpse. Other people have seen visions of God, but no one has really ever looked God face to face and lived. John tells us as much, the, the disciple John in his book, John, that we're actually going to be in today. He says just as much. He says, no one has ever seen God. And that's true because no one has ever seen God fully and lived to tell about it, Don't we always want to be the exception, though? Like, oh, I, I really want to see you, God. I mean, that would help my faith so much. If I could just see you, you could help me, and it would help my faith. It would change everything in my life. But let me be that one exception that I don't die after I see you. That's always uh, the best thing. And then Jesus comes on the scene. And he takes the absurdity of God and the things that he was doing, he takes it to a, a new level. Just look at the way he came. He came the eternal son of God came by way of birth from a virgin. A virgin birth, the first of its kind. That sounds absurd, doesn't it? But God is in control of all of this. It's not absurd for him. Then Jesus continues in his ministry, and we see him change water to wine. That's something absurd. Somebody, that's something that you would probably do if you had that power. You'd be like, water to wine all the time. Just kidding. Just kidding. We see Jesus walking on water. We see him calming storms. He talks to a storm, the storm listens and stops. He's just proving over and over that he's God. And these obscene, these obscene, these absurd things that he was doing weren't so absurd at all because of who he was. He's Jesus, he is God in the flesh. And we go back to the first sermon of this series. We saw that God, Jesus, calls a tax collector named Matthew to follow him. And it was absurd that Jesus would call a tax collector. And I told you it would, it's also absurd that Jesus would call a sinner like you and a sinner like me to follow him. That's also absurd. The next week we looked at the absurd call not to follow Jesus. Do you remember this one? Jesus said, following me is going to be really hard and it's going to cost you a lot. So sit down first and count the cost. If it's too much, just don't follow me. But if you count the cost and you can, then follow me. And that brought us to last week's sermon, The Absurd Timing of Jesus, where I told you that it's hard to follow Jesus because his timing and his will don't always match up with our timing and our will, and that makes it hard to follow him. And it brings us to today's sermon, the absurdity of seeing God. The absurdity of actually seeing God. I just told you that God has been invisible since forever. But there was a 33-year period where he wasn't so invisible. And people finally got to see God. And it threw them into a huge confusion. And they didn't understand it. So we're going to walk through this passage just to see kind of how they dealt with all of that. But here's, here's what you need to see from today's sermon. That God offers you something better than just seeing him. I mean, just think about it. Don't you want to see God, how amazing would that be? It's probably a desire of every human that's ever existed. I just want to see God. And what I'm telling you today is that's not half as good as what God offers you. Though that would be amazing to see God, and we all want that in our heart of hearts we have something so much better, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. But I kind of want to tell you about the context of the passage that we're going to be in. First of all, we're, we're reading something by the disciple John. The disciple John, one of the 12 disciples, wrote the book of John, and we get to see firsthand what he says about what happened the, really the night of Jesus' betrayal and arrest and everything like that. So the setting is that we're in the upper room. It's the Last Supper. Jesus has already told Judas that he's going to betray him. He's already told Peter that Peter would deny him three times. He's already washed the disciples' feet. And he just talked about his father in heaven and his father's house. And he says, In my father's house, there's a lot of rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Don't worry, I will come back for you. Anyways, you know the way to get to where I'm going. I am the way. Jesus says, I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father or the Father's house except through me. And that's the context of what we're about to read. But John is in the room watching this. And at some point, John says, you know what? I'm going to talk about that night. I'm going to write it down so people in the future can hear about how amazing Jesus is. Is. So we now pick up a book that one of the twelve disciples wrote. We'll be in the fourth, fourteenth chapter, and we'll be starting in verse eight. The very first thing that I want you to see here, though, is that the disciples just wanted to see God. That's what they wanted more than anything. Just like you, they wanted to see God. Except you know that Jesus was with them, and you're like, "There, that's it. There he is." What are you complaining about? You've got to live with Jesus. Man, if we could see Jesus, that would be awesome. But that was what they wanted to do. So we're going to go to verse 8, and let's read this. Philip says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and that is enough for us. Now, I don't know if you've ever done any kind of in-depth study on Philip, the disciple, but uh, if you have, you'd be the only person, because we really know like nothing about Philip. He like did something one time, and then he said this one time. I've never felt more like a disciple when I read this passage. I was like, I've done something, and I've said something, so that's, that's good. Maybe I'm like one of Jesus' 12 disciples. You know, in the very first sermon in this series, we talked about names. And we talked about the name Matthew and how it meant gift of God. And uh, that was pretty special. And and, and we talked about how... Really, meeting Jesus was a gift of God to Matthew. Last week we talked about Jairus, and Jairus' name meant God will awaken. And then we saw Jesus go into Jairus' house, and he awakens Jairus' daughter from the dead. It was absolutely amazing. We have another name here, Philip. It's the, the Greek is Philippos. It comes from two Greek words. The first is Phileo. Phileo means Love. It's just like when you leave today, you're going to go home and you're going to be talking about the day and you're going to say, I really loved that guy on stage today. I really loved his sermon. Or maybe you're going to say, I love that that guy is done with his sermon series because I'm ready to hear the senior pastor again. But that's what that first word, philipos, phileo, that's what that means. It's love. And really the real significant thing is that second word, What is it that Philip loves? The word is hippos, all right? Hippos means horse. I mean, I'm just saying that maybe not every single name in the Bible is super spiritual and this would be one of those. I mean, he loves horses. I guess he would like that picture. I mean, that's who he is. But let me tell you a little bit more. Kind of about his worldview and really the worldview of all of the disciples, okay? All of the disciples would have believed some things about God. One, they they would have believed in only one God. They were monotheistic. One God and one God only. Now, sometimes the Jews they would follow other gods, but they knew that there was only one God. These guys around the table with Jesus at the Last Supper, they knew. They knew that there was only one God. You know what they also knew? That that God is invisible, always has been, always will be, that's what they would have said. He's invisible, you can't see him. We know from history, we know from what Moses said, we know from what God said, if you see me, you will die. I can't show myself to you, you can't handle it. It would mean certain death. The other thing they knew about Jesus was they had seen Jesus do so many things that only God could do. But Jesus also talked about the Father and how he's in heaven, but they only believe in one God. So they're like, is, did he come down from heaven? What, how does this all work? And they really are just kind of confused about the entire thing. The other thing that they knew was that Jesus was close to God because they saw the things that Jesus was doing. They heard the things that he was teaching. And so they were like, Philip is just saying to Jesus, I know you're close with the Father. Will you just let us see him? We just want to see him. If you do that, that will be enough for us. We'll be satisfied if you could just do that for us. It's like they knew that Jesus was God but they didn't know how to connect all the dots like you and I do who have come to church for a while. We, we kind of understand all that as much as we can. We understand it. But they weren't exactly sure how to navigate all of this. If I have someone here in front of me that I can see but I haven't died yet but he's doing the things that only God can do. Is he, he, Maybe he's not God because I haven't died. Maybe they're just waiting. All the disciples are just like, we're probably gonna die anytime soon because we always look at this guy that only can do things that God can do. I don't know if that's how it was or not, but they knew that there was some connection between Jesus and the Father. And so Philip just says, we want to see the Father. We show him to you, we reveal him to us. If you can do that, everything will be good. And that leads to Jesus's absurd response, all right? This is where we get to see one of those things that Jesus says that is so hard for the disciples to understand. Let's go to that verse now. Jesus says to Philip, have I been with you so long you know, Jesus has now walked with the disciples and that you that right there is plural. saying, saying, I've been with you guys, all of you, for so long. And then he singles out Philip. And you still don't know me, horse lover. I don't know if he said horse lover there. <laughs> <laughs> but have you ever, have you ever, do you remember when you were with your parents and your parents would say, I'm not angry with you, I'm just disappointed. I felt like I heard that more than I probably should have. But... This is kind of what Jesus is saying to Philip. I've been with you for three long years. You've seen all of my miracles. You've heard all of my teachings. Everything that I've said and everything that I've done for three years, Philip, and you don't know me? How is it that you don't know me? And then he says this, whoever's seen me has seen the Father. You want me to reveal the Father to you? If you've seen me, you've seen him. And this, this would have just been mind-blowing for the disciples. They're like, I don't understand. What are you doing to us? All right. So he says, whoever's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father, Philip? How can you say that? Then he says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? I, I know, Philip, in your mind, you're thinking God is there and he's in heaven, And I, Jesus, I'm here on earth. I know that you're thinking that, Philip, but what you're not understanding me is that he who is there is in me. And me, I who am here, I am in him. We are part of each other. God is a part of me. So when you look at me, I am here to reveal God to the world and every single thing, that seemed absurd that god said or that jesus said or that he did was to reveal the father to all of mankind and that's what he's telling philip here philip you don't understand but he's in me if you've seen me you've seen you've seen the father and if you've seen him you've seen me we are one what he's saying to him is really something that doesn't make sense even with our math he's saying 2 equals 1 he's saying me and the father we are the same we are god we are God. Now, you and I know that there's a trinity. We have the Holy Spirit that's part of who God is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But pay attention to what Jesus doesn't say right here. What Jesus doesn't say right here is he never says, Philip, I am God the Father. He doesn't say that. You know what else he doesn't say? God the Father is me. And that's true of really the three persons of, Jesus, of, of, of God. We have the Father, who is not the Son, and He's not the Spirit. We have the the Son, who's not the Spirit, and He's not the Father. And then we have the Holy Spirit, and He's not the Son, and He's not God the Father. We have three persons. In one God. If we, if we try and take that away from God and say, no, 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 that, they're not three persons. It's just one God. We go into something called modalism. And modalism says that God takes these different roles. So sometimes he's Jesus and he died on the cross one time. And sometimes he's the Holy Spirit and he fills up those people who follow him. That is not what we're saying about God at all. In fact, if you believe that, you're actually not a Christian. God is three in one. And, and Jesus is trying to help Peter, uh, sorry, Philip, and all the rest of the disciples understand that he and the Father are one. It's two of us, I know, but if you've seen me, you've seen him. He is in me, and I am in him. And Jesus, that's what he does. He reveals the Father to his people. The other thing that I want you to see is that. Jesus is just trying to say, Philip, you're saying, show me the Father. Here's what I'm saying. You're looking at Him. You're looking at Him right now. The one thing that you've always wanted, Philip, to see the Father, you're seeing Him right now because you're seeing me and He is in me and I am in Him. What a beautiful picture of who God is, even though it probably exploded Philip's mind right then. Then we get to... Jesus proving it all. So let's look at the proof of it all as we continue in this text. Now, remember, John is writing this text so that you will believe that Jesus is the Son of God and so that you will put your faith in him. And so Jesus says, now, the words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. All right, here's, here's what Jesus is saying to Philip, it's kind of what we've been talking about since the beginning. The things that Jesus says and the things that Jesus does, though they seem absurd, humanly speaking, they all pointed to who Jesus was and they all pointed to who God was. Right here, he says, the words, the things that I'm saying to you, the things that I'm doing, it's the Father who dwells in me that does these things. I and the Father are one. So everything that I've said and done is under his authority. It's hard for Philip to take. So Jesus knows that. And so he says this, believe me, Philip, that I am in the father and the father is in me. And if that's too hard for you, Philip, let me tell you one last thing or else just believe on account of the works that I've done. Look at the works themselves and they will tell you who I am and then you can believe the things I say because it's really hard to believe the things I say. Do you remember when Jesus was teaching and they lower a paralytic man right in front of him and everybody's expecting Jesus to heal the paralytic and instead of healing the paralytic, he says, your sins are forgiven. And everybody is like, why in the world would you have done that? He came to you for physical healing And only God can forgive sins. So Jesus wants to prove to everybody that he's God and the things that he says he can do. And so that's kind of hanging. And he says, all right, only God could also heal this paralyzed man. So that's what I'm gonna do. And he heals the paralyzed man so that people would understand this over here. If he could raise a paralyzed man, which only God could do, maybe he is God. And maybe he can forgive that man's sins as well that's what he's telling philip right here philip it's it's not a big deal just if if my words are too hard for you to understand just look at the miracles look at all the things that i've done you know who i am because of what i've done and now you can believe in everything that i've said because you've seen what i've done everything points back to who jesus is he wasn't a mere human like you or me he was god In the flesh. So now I want to kind of help you kind of wrestle with all of this in your own life. Here's what I want you to think about first. It takes faith to follow a God that you can't see. It took faith for Philip. It was so hard for him to follow a God he couldn't see. Even though he had Jesus right there, he's still like, I want to see the Father. That would be just enough for me. I know how badly you want to see. God, I think it's an eight with us. It's part of who we are. We would love to see our God. But we can't right now. For 33 years, humanity saw God in Jesus Christ who revealed him to the world. But now we aren't in that same boat. We're just not. We are in a different place. And it takes faith to follow him. It sounds absurd to follow a God that you can't see, but all of the evidence points to the fact that it's not. All of his creation, the fact that he has a relationship with you, the fact that he works through your prayers, the fact that he sent Jesus, the fact of all of it, it all points to who he was. Even though we can't see God, he offers us something better. Here's what I want you to see. This is in the high priestly prayer. Jesus is just before his death and he prays to the Father. And this is what he says in verse 23. I'm praying praying for everybody, all my disciples and the people who will become my disciples. And here's what he says. The glory that you have given... Me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and you loved them even as you loved me. Did you catch it? Seeing God would be amazing. But did you hear what Jesus said? He said, I in them, me, Jesus, in my followers. That is so much better than seeing God. You don't need to see God on TV at the five o'clock news because you have God in you if you've placed your faith in him. It's so much better, so much better than seeing God. You have him living inside of you. When you place your faith in him, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you. Ultimately, the absurd Things that Jesus said and did show who he truly is. This is what my entire series has been about. All of the things that Jesus said and did that seem absurd to us little humans but aren't at all. And all of the evidence points us to following him. And it's not absurd that we do that. So where are you? Do you have problems with the fact that you have to put your faith in an invisible God? You can join the rest of us. It's hard. It takes faith, honestly. It takes faith. But we also have the disciples' testimony. We have John's testimony. We just read it. He saw God on earth. So we can believe him as well, and that could help us. Or maybe you're just struggling with the complexity of God, that he's three in one, and you don't understand that. Well, I don't understand that fully either at all. But we do follow a good God. And even though he is complex and he's hard to understand, he is also good and he helps us understand him. I don't know if you're just looking for a church. I don't know if you're looking to give your life to Jesus. I don't know if you're looking to tell other people about the absurdity of Jesus and it may seem absurd to follow him but it never is whatever you need to do you can respond our pastors will be up here you can talk to them if you need prayer if you need anything there's probably going to be a woman up here as well if you're a woman you'd like to pray with a woman you can do that whatever god is leading you to do though please do let's go to the lord in prayer dear god we thank you for your word we thank you for john who documented the things that he saw you do It's amazing that we are holding in our hands a book that one of the 12 disciples wrote. We thank you for the book of John and we thank you for Jesus who humanly speaking did some absurd things, but it all pointed to the fact that he was no ordinary human. he was God in the flesh. Would you help us follow him even though we can't see him right now? Even though it may seem absurd sometimes, would you bless us with faith, God? And would you help us make a difference in this world and tell them about Jesus who did some absurd things. In Jesus' name, amen.